Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. We're speaking about vision. Habakkuk chapter 2. I'm going to read. Verse 2. And the Bible says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run. Say run. Notice running means a driving force. It means momentum. It means moving in a certain direction. Everybody can agree. He didn't say so that you could stand idle and watch it pass by you. No, he says, so he may run who reads it. Notice reading, meaning getting it in your heart. Because what you read becomes knowledge. And then ultimately becomes what you believe. Right? It says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems low, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Come on, how many of you ever heard that scripture before? The King James says, but the just, say the just, shall live by faith. Speaking of you today, amen? But notice he says, write the vision. Write the vision. Today, God has given vision for his church. Can everybody agree today? God has given you as an individual vision for your life. Now, it is up to you to find out what that vision is as an individual, but also to connect to the vision corporately where God has placed you. Notice that when it comes to a corporate vision, meaning a vision from the church, it does not come from a man's ideas. Now, some churches start up that way, and that's okay. I'm not here to talk about right or wrong and how churches are started. But how we see scripturally, the way man should intend to do or live their life is based off ordering their steps after the Lord. Our life should be ordered after the Father. We should be walking with him at such a close proximity that within our life, we are imitators of who we are in. The Bible says this, be an imitator of Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Think about that. Your life and who you are is not about who you see in the physical mirror. No, your life is who you see in that natural or that spiritual mirror or through the eyes of God, through his word. Come on. That's who you are. And God has vision for you. Meaning God has a purpose and a will for you to do on the earth. But God also has given his church vision, purpose, a will to do in a reason. Let me help you today. The church should be affecting every arena of life. It should affect the people. It should affect the education sector. It should affect the political sector. 
It should affect business, everything. It should be the epicenter of a city. Now, we don't see that. But that was God's intent. One of the things that we must understand that what God creates, Satan counterfeits. What God creates, Satan counterfeits. He will make something that looks like it, that seems like it, but ultimately it will lead to destruction. Ultimately, it will lead people to a distorted life. In Jeremiah chapter, or sorry, Nehemiah chapter 1, it says this. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali. Now it happened in the month of Chisleth, in the 12th, 20th year, I was at Susa, or I was in Susa, or Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with a certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. Now, let's stop for a second. In order to truly understand Nehemiah, you need to understand the day, the context of where he is at and what has happened. So let's go through some history real quick to understand what is taking place within Nehemiah and when we get into this next part of this passage, why he gets such a burden into a place of being so mournful of his city. In the city, we must understand, in the city of Susa, okay, that is called the city of man. And then you have Jerusalem. This is the city of God. The Bible refers to it as the city of peace. Now, we understand that politics, culture, perspective of history all comes from where you are influenced by. Amen? If you walk and if you live within the kingdom of God, it will affect the way politics, culture, lifestyle, the way you raise your kids. It will affect your whole life if you'll let it to, if you'll let it. And in the same way, if you live in the world, it will influence and shape and mold the way you believe, the way you think about politics, the way you think about culture, the way you think about lifestyles. Can I get an amen? And this is what you see, the contrast between the city of man and the city of God. See, the life of Nehemiah is a division between these two cities. Division literally means two visions. Two visions. And the city of Susa and Jerusalem are intended to have two different visions as one represents the culture of man and the other represents the city of God. I need you to understand this. Now, Susa was a winter capital of the godless Persian Empire. Its name meant lily as lilies grew in the area. 
And Nehemiah, we know, he served in the palace of Susa. And as a Jew, remember, he's a Jew, Nehemiah was taken away from being in his home working for the enemy now. Nehemiah is taken captive. He's a slave. He's a slave. And this city that he's slave to crushed his city. They destroyed it. They sent everybody out. They exiled them out of this city. They burned everything. And now you got division or you got the city of God, the people of Jerusalem living in different places. They are exiles. They got no home. They got no place to come together and to worship their God. And many things of what you see within the Bible is that these people that were no longer in unity to worship and serve their God now have taken on the form of other gods because their God, they felt, departed them, left them. So now they're worshiping other gods. See, Jerusalem is supposed to be the earthly capital of God's kingdom. Its name means, again, city of peace, and it was meant to be ruled by King Jesus, the prince of peace. Come on. King David established it as a city or as the capital city of Jerusalem. And we see that in the book of Nehemiah, it opens up with him in Susa. So already beginning, Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a slave. And if you know anything about slaves during that time, especially if they worked for the king, they would have been castrated as men. Just like Daniel, Nehemiah probably would have been castrated. Because he is not supposed to sleep with anyone there, produce any type of children. He's working under the king. And we know that he is a cupbearer. Now think about this job. His job is to drink the wine or the, of the cup before the king drinks it just to make sure there's no poison in it. You thought you had a bad job. He got to drink from the cup of the king before he tastes it. He's a cupbearer. He's in this royal palace as a slave. And we see, as we continue to read, as his brother comes in, in verse 4 it says, As soon as he heard these words, it says, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah, he already knew what God, or what already happened. He already knew that the city was destroyed. He was a slave. But now he's hearing that it still hasn't changed. It's worse than it was before. And what ends up happening is he gets to a place where he begins to pray and fast and seek God and mourn for the city of God. What do you think changed within him? Because think about it. When you begin to pray and fast, what happens? You begin to get the Father's heart. You begin to see the way he sees. What breaks his heart begins to break your heart. I guarantee you what happened is that Nehemiah was praying and fasting and ultimately came to a place of understanding that God was hurting too. That God, again, just like Jesus in John chapter 2, he was 
zealous or jealous for his people. And this same zeal and jealousy for his people that was in God, that was in our Savior Jesus, it got in Nehemiah. Through prayer and fasting, never think that prayer and fasting is worthless. Because if one of the things it will do is it will help you get to a place where you have a burden for the things that God has a burden for. If you don't have a burden for this region, if you don't have a burden for the people around you, begin to pray and fast. And get to a place where you mourn for the people that are dying and going to hell. Oh, how that would help you when it comes to preaching the gospel. To know that that very person that's in your family, to know that that very person that's around you, that's a friend, is dying and ultimately going to be separated from God. Was it God's choice for them to be separated? No. No. God gave man free will. God gave man free choice. And they can choose to walk with him and love him and give him their life, or they can choose not to. Eternal damnation is not up to God, but it's up to the person that chooses not to choose him. This is why we still must preach and love and work while there's still day. Amen? Now, David established it as the capital of the city of Jerusalem. And we see Nehemiah here, heartbroken for Jerusalem. And he's wanting to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls in the city as a home for God's people to worship him. We see this in chapters 3 through 13. Nehemiah's rebuilding of Jerusalem is literally preserved our faith. When he built these walls, when he built this city, it has preserved our faith. Jerusalem is a place from where Christians trace their inception as the fulfillment of Judaism. The city was a great place because it was the place from which God's name went out to the world. Notice how I say it preserved our faith. If this city was never rebuilt, where would it be today? If this vision didn't get in Nehemiah's heart to build, to prepare, and to do the work, where would me and you be today? See, notice this. Everything that you do today will affect tomorrow. Everything you do right now will affect three months down the road, six months down the road, a year, three years, five years, ten years. We get an opportunity as the people of God that we get to come together under the banner of our God. We get to grow. We get to have fellowship, community, build. But most of us have an issue of seeing what God has called us into. See, Serving God is not just about you. It's about the region you're in, the body you're in. It's not about you getting a better car or a better house. It's not about you setting up a superannuation to where you can just take care of your kids. Let me help you. Those things are okay. But that is not priority. We must learn 
to pursue God no matter what. See, right here, we have a church, a name, Pursuit Church, a building, where we get to go out of this place and affect the peninsula. Just like the city of Jerusalem, this is what Nehemiah had in his heart. I want to build this place. God, you put it in my heart. I want to go out here and build it so the people, the exiles, the slaves can all come back in, begin to worship God, get their heart right, get back into that place of obedience and walking with you, and then your hand will come back on your people. Because at this time, God's hand or his provision has left the people. You saw it prophesied in Isaiah, you saw it prophesied in Jeremiah, and you saw it prophesied in Amos, where they said that the Babylonians would tear and rip them apart because of their disobedience unto God. It was a warning to them, but they didn't listen to the warning. And how often do we see that right now, that where the state of the church is, that God is warning us? Because he is. If you look around, the amount of people that are anti-God and anti-Christ has risen. We live in a culture and a climate right now where it is anti-Christ. It is anti-God. You got people that are doing things that are promoting ungodly lifestyles, ungodly concepts, and you're seeing the world take on these things as a form of identity and saying, this is who we are, you be quiet. Now, thank God we live in a country where we are able to have a freedom of religion, where we are able to worship God. This is why even in 1 Timothy where he says to pray and intercede for your government, for officials, so that you may be able to live a peaceful and quiet life serving God. Now we see in the days of Nehemiah, it wasn't so much like that. And Nehemiah wanted to build a place so that the people of God could come back together. This should be the heart of our church. This should be the heart of who we are. We want to build a place so that we can worship God, but also we can go out and people can hear the gospel. Amen? Now, we must understand that the motivation of Susa to leave Jerusalem in ruins and be uninhabited was both a political and a spiritual move. One dictionary that I saw in the, a Bible dictionary explains it this way, that during Nehemiah's governing, our governorship, the Judean province was less than 900 square miles, an area easily controlled by a formidable central city. For this reason, the foreigners living in the trans-Euphrates area strongly opposed the rebuilding of the walls of the city. If the Jews were able to secure the central forces by raising its walls, they would once again dominate the land of Israel. If the Jews were unable, to were unable to restore the walls, they would be relevantly powerless to resist an enemy's attack. See, these foreigners were led by Sinbalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Come on, how many of you have heard of those people? 
These three men oppose the work of the city of God, of Jerusalem, of Nehemiah, constantly trying to kill him, working against him. And as we go through this, you'll see what they did. They're opposing him. Let me help you. When you begin to have momentum, again, Habakkuk has that run with this vision. Run with it. When you begin to have momentum and run this race and begin to do what God's called you to do, Satan will oppose you. He will oppose you. Every time God creates something and builds, Satan is opposing it. He is resisting it. When Pastor Brian started this church, the very nature of the prophetic word that God gave him was that there would be a resistance in the land to the gospel. There would be a resistance of a spirit-filled church. But let me help you. Just because there, is there, just because there is resistance does not stop us from doing the work. Nehemiah didn't quit. He didn't give up. He continued to work and build. Now, you'll see in later weeks that they had a sword on one hand and they had a shovel in the other. They were protecting on the right and they were working with the left. See, as people of God, we have to understand that we have a dual role, that we are building God's kingdom, but we are also protecting his kingdom. Come on. And how do we do that? We preach truth. We live out truth. You say, oh, God doesn't need our help. If he wanted to do it, he can do it. Guess what? He does it through you and me today. If the church becomes quiet, the world will become louder. And that's why you see in a day and age that we live in where the world is literally taking over so many areas within the church and with outside the church. We see so much perversion today in our day and age. And the Bible even says that it will be like the days of Noah. You know, I know a lot of times people hear this like, oh, yeah, we, we hear that and all that. You know, let me think about it. Or let me help you with an understanding. We are very callous to the things of this world. When you experience something over and over and over again, it becomes normal. It becomes common. There are certain things that we have seen over and over again that now has become common. It's part of life. And a lot of those things are anti-God. And we say, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's just there, you know. And we go and live our own life thinking that we'll just ignore it. As long as I'm still able to do what I need to do. Again, that whole mentality is wrong. It is about self. God did not call you to live for yourself, but to live in a region to build his kingdom. Meaning that you need to learn how to get involved and engaged with the place that you're in. You say, well, how can I do that? Well, start where Nehemiah started. Prayer and fasting. Seeking the face of God. Getting a vision from God. Getting a word from God. 
getting direction from God. And the really, the reality of why people can't get to that place is because they're still struggling with their own sin and their own problems. Satan has done such a good job of keeping you from ever even walking out God's vision in your life because you're so focused on your own issues. You're so choked out by those things and beaten and defeated that you can't even think about serving God's vision. And if he can get you to a place where you are defeated already, just like he did right here in this time. Look, Nehemiah could have taken that as the city's destroyed, it's on fire, it's done. We're done. I'm, 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 we're all going to die. Our, our lineage, everybody, our culture, our, who we are is done. We're, we're going to die. It's, it's just over. We're going to become obsolete. No. Something stirred within his heart. He said, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Help me understand what I need to do. I want my people to get back to that place in the city. I want Jerusalem to be built up again. I'll do whatever it has to. See, this is what we need within our church, within the body. We need to get to a place where we're saying, God, I'll do whatever it takes. Because every single one of us has gifts and talents and anointings and graces for things that people on the other side of you sitting right next to you don't. We got to work together. God has called every single one of us in some specific role and function. And it's going to take all of us to do it. See, Nehemiah, as you begin to see, has to prepare now to go into the city. And next week is what I'm going to focus about that. I'm going to focus on talking about preparation. Because vision first starts from hearing from the voice of God. And then it takes what you've heard from God and you start preparing what you need to do. Meaning God will give a word, but now you got to prepare how you're going to do it. It's great that you got a prophetic word and God's giving you something, but what are you doing right now to steward that word? Again, what you do right now is going to affect your future. You may be in a job you don't like. You may be in a season of your life you're not just quite enjoying it all. You're over it. You're done with it. You're just, I'm, I'm ready to give up. Let me help you. What you do right now is going to affect later. Nehemiah could have said, I'm castrated. I'm a slave. My city's, my people, everyone's exiled. I'm done. And how often do we do that, but we don't have the same amount of things that he went through? Amen. I don't like my boss. I don't like my pay. My spouse, dear God, I can't stand them right now. My kids are crazy. Everything in life is just, I don't like the season I'm in. I hate, I hate it all. I just don't even want to be here. But what if it's understanding that get close to God, begin to pray, begin to fast, begin to seek out what he wants to, you to do, and then from that place, you just live your life. What if you're in that place right now and there's people around you that you can affect? See, you can turn a bad situation around. 
by putting trust in God, by having faith in God. You don't believe me? Go all throughout the New Testament and see people that literally were suffering, were struggling, were sick in their body, were blind. I mean, there's a story about blind Bartimaeus. I believe it's Mark 8 or Mark 9. And this man was blind. And he heard of Jesus. And he began to shout, Jesus, have mercy on me. Actually, go there. I want to read it. Mark chapter 10, that's right. Mark 10. Sorry about that. And towards the end, verse 46. Look at this. And I'm going to be done in a second. And they came to Jericho as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples. And a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but, the cry, and, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said to him, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Now look at this. Blind Bartimaeus heard of Jesus. Nobody was going to tell him no. Nobody was going to tell him. No one was going to shut him up. No one was going to quiet him down. See, this is what happens when you get vision. Just like Nehemiah. He had three guys work against him the whole time he was building that temple, or the whole time he was building that wall. The whole time. It didn't matter. He said, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to continue to work. I may have to change what I'm doing. I may have to be wise in this work. I may have to be led by the Spirit of God in this work. Come on. When you're working for God, know this. It's not on your own limitations but it's on who he is. You're not going to be able to do what God's called you to do in your own strength, in your own ability. Blind Bartimaeus right here, blind, gets the answer from Jesus saying, call him. And he looks at him. Now notice this in verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, rabbi, meaning teacher, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now look, why am I using this story? To finish this. We must understand in our own limitations and our weaknesses. Because we all got them. That through his grace, you can overcome. Through his word, by his spirit, you can overcome. See, Bartimaeus knew what he wanted. He wanted healing. He wanted to be able to see. What do you want today? What are you desiring today? 
Is it to pursue after God's will? Is it to fulfill what God's called you to do? Is it focused on self or is it more focused on Christ? See, Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was the one that could work in his life. He knew he had the answer. Today, Jesus still has the answer for me and you today. See, for his church, when it comes to vision, God is the one that will lead us into victory. God is the one that will lead us into the right place to do it the right way, exactly how he wants it. But it's going to first start with us being like Nehemiah, being like Bartimaeus, focus on God. Again, Nehemiah, when he found out the troubling news, he focused on God. Bartimaeus, troubled life, can't see, he's blind. He focused on Jesus. Part of vision is focusing on God, having faith in him. So what does focusing look like? Faith in him, trusting in him, believing in him, fully confident in him. Today you got a lot of weaknesses. Today you got a lot of limitations. We all do as humans. That's why you have a need of a savior. That's why you have a need of a father. That's why you have need of our God. Nehemiah was not going to be able to do this without God. And he knew that, so the first thing he did, it wasn't begin to plan and prepare and to think about it and begin to reason with his own mind. No, he said, I got to pray. I got to fast. I got to shut the flesh up. I got to, like Galatians said, I got to crucify my flesh. And I got to get into this place where I get vision from God because I want my people to have a place to worship. And this is the same for us. God ultimately has a purpose for his church. And there are steps in order to fulfill, to get to that place. The thing about the church is it never stops. It's always building. What we do today is going to affect our children. And what our children do is going to affect their children. This is why we instill within our kids a love for God, a love for building the kingdom of God, a love for serving God. Amen? We put it in them so that they'll put, the, put it in their kids. And it'll just continue to grow. So vision doesn't only just affect you, it affects the whole body. It affects your family. I want to encourage you. Start focusing on the vision of the church that God's planted. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.